This is an RNZ podcast. As we saw at the time, the mob contained an extraordinary array of individuals and causes, ranging from the wild Freedom! to the deeply menacing. That was ITV's Robert Moore on News Hub at 6 last Monday, reporting on the long arm of US law enforcement still tracking down people in that mob which invaded and trashed the Capitol building back in January. And as he said there, the mob members had many different reasons for taking direct action, ones that many of them couldn't articulate all that clearly. But for many, a hatred of politicians was part of it and the media. When Robert Moore travelled to the other side of the US to talk to one man who took part and was recently raided by the FBI, he told Robert Moore this. He blames the media for creating the storm. The fact that the media is trying to spin this like this was some big insurrection is just completely false. People were not there for violence. They were there to show the world that we still believe in freedom and we believe in Trump. But many in the media actually believe in freedom too. Indeed, the idea of a fourth estate is to backstop it as part of genuine democracy. But of course, the likes of David Medina and a significant number of other Americans don't see it that way these days. Every year recently, the Edelman Trust Barometer has recorded declines in trust for all sources of general news and information. And this year, it found that worldwide, six out of ten people believe that journalists intentionally try to mislead people by reporting things that they know to be false, and that most news organisations are actually more concerned with supporting a political position than informing the public. Well, here in New Zealand, we don't have that sort of extremism and that degree of polarisation, or at least not as much of it, as things stand. But it seems respect for our media and for our journalists isn't what it once was. Last August, Research NZ surveyed people about which professionals they trust, and on RNZ's Sunday morning, Research New Zealand's Emmanuel Kalafatelis told Jim Mora only one in three of these people said they trusted people who work for our government, and then less than one in four trusted our journalists. How about journalists? Oh, I wanted to avoid that, Jim. Um, three, gracious of well, you. We w- well, we wouldn't call you a journalist, would we? <laughs> I'm not sure if that's abuse or not, Emmanuel. <laughs> OK, well, members of parliament, local council members were at 22, and unfortunately journalists were at 23. OK. Third place from the bottom. So uh, journalists, local council members, members of the parliament, they are the scapegoats for uh, a lot of our unhappiness. Bit of a bummer for our journalists and editors, less trusted than public servants or politicians that they say they hold to account. For the past three years, the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism, based in the UK, has also studied a worrying lack of trust in news around the world. Its Trust in News project is backed with more than $6 million from Facebook, the company which is blamed, more than any other, for actually allowing fake news to flourish and spread in the first place. And you'd think they could have saved their money. Surely, if people don't trust the news, then just make sure you give them more reliable news that they can use when they need it and where they can find it. But it's a bit more complicated than that, according to the Reuters Institute's research. Last week, its latest report on trust in news found that trust in media's coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic was relatively high in many nations, at a similar level to trust in national governments, and significantly higher than trust in individual politicians. But one of the lead authors of that report, Professor Rasmus Klein-Nielsen, said that the media were clearly suffering from being the bearers of very bad tidings. 
So there is very real discontent in much of the public with some forms of journalism, some dominant forms of journalism, and I think a hunger for forms of journalism that, without being uncritical, are more affirmative, if you will, that they identify and diagnose and analyze a problem while also identifying someone somewhere who's actually done something to change it, to address it, and that points to an action, that issues a call to action to the reader, to the user, the viewer, the watcher, that gives them a role in this and says, well, you know, this is what we found, and here's what you can do. So I think there is a real appetite for that. Nice idea, but that's easier said than done. Last week, another piece of Reuters Institute research on trust in news said people's trust wasn't actually based on things that are important to reporters and editors, like editorial standards and journalistic practices. The Institute interviewed people in Brazil, India, the UK and the US and concluded that ill-defined impressions of the reputations of news providers and how the news looks and feels was actually more influential. And talking on 9 to noon last Tuesday, Dr. Atakohu Middleton from the Auckland University of Technology told Catherine Ryan that this is a problem for our news providers. They tended to focus on the surface stuff as signals of quality and reliability. And to me, that suggests that maybe we need to educate more education in schools about how the news is actually produced, what it means to gather news, and that maybe news outlets need to tie their marketing to some sort of promotional education on how news gathering actually works. Now, linked to this, the work of individual journalists was often far less visible than that of television presenters, and we know that. Um, many of the prominent media personalities stood out to people were often really polarising figures. So we're talking here about non-journalist broadcasters and their reckons. Uh, the people in the study often couldn't name any journalists at all, but they could tell you very clearly which of the news media personalities in their countries they disagreed with. So again, a bummer for journalism here, but probably no surprise. The main annual Reuters Institute News Report for 2020 found overall trust in news was at its lowest point since it started asking about it in 2016. Only 38% of those surveyed in 40 countries worldwide trusted most of the news most of the time, and fewer half of the respondents, 46%, trusted the news they consumed themselves. Now, New Zealand isn't one of those 40 countries, but last year, the AUT's Centre for Journalism, Media and Democracy used the Reuters Institute survey as a model for their own survey on trust in news here, which was conducted by Horizon Research. It found that trust here was higher. More than half of respondents here said that they can trust most of the news most of the time. And almost two-thirds of those surveyed a year ago said they trust the news they personally consume. And they were more likely than those that the Reuters Institute surveyed overseas to be more sceptical about news they found from social media and online search engines. And when it came to outright fake news, there were encouraging signs that Kiwis were aware of it and the danger of it. 86% of respondents said they were concerned about the way it was used by politicians and others to discredit news sources they didn't like, with half of respondents saying they were strongly concerned about this. So that then is less of a bummer for journalism. But that was all released in April last year, and as we all know, there's been plenty of news since then, real and fake, in the past 12 months. There's been the COVID crisis, during which the demand and supply of news and comments spiked, and there was also a huge volume of news about Trump before and after the US election, not to mention an election here, which, for the first time, featured candidates and political parties who were practically founded on fake news and misinformation about COVID-19, immigration, technology and many other things. So has all this then in the past 12 months dented Kiwis' trust in the media further or not? 
Well, last month, the News Publishers Association, which grew out of the umbrella group that represented newspapers, surveyed 1,200 New Zealanders over the age of 18. Just over half of them said they were engaging more with news websites and apps than they were a year ago. And 72% said newspapers and news media were highly important to them in the wake of COVID-19. And 67% agreed that newspapers were an important element of the social fabric of New Zealand. But that's all we know about that survey. Those positive headline findings aside, the rest of the results are not actually out till June. And it's hard to compare those with the findings of the News Publishers Association's previous survey of trust, which was back in 2017. Back then, 87% of Kiwis surveyed thought more highly of traditional media, newspapers, radio and TV, and the respondents told them things like this. I think people need to trust where they're getting their news from, and it needs to be accurate. And so, therefore, you know, like the TV networks and these big media companies, the Herald and stuff, they are generally trusted, I would think, to get the facts right. And I think people are happy. So I think that's why it's more important about where you get it as opposed to how you get it. I just think they've got more integrity. But while that woman singled out individual publishers of news, the News Publishers Association survey back then didn't. It only compared levels of trust in various types of media, papers, TV, radio, social media and search. And the reason for that was that the survey's aim was to persuade advertisers to place their ads with the News Publishers Association's publications. However, the survey on trust that the Auckland University of Technology's Journalism, Media and Democracy Centre conducts does ask people what they think of individual outlets. And ahead of the report's release this week, the AUT's Dr Atakohu Middleton, formerly a journalist at the New Zealand Herald, told Catherine Ryan this on Nine to Noon. I can't talk about what's in the report in detail as it's not released until Thursday morning. However, what I can say is that it will tell us whether our trust in news has risen or eroded compared to last year's report and why. Now, the report will also tell us how COVID-19 has affected our trust in the news and which news brands in Aotearoa are the most trusted. Now, some news media outlets on Thursday will be delighted at their rating, but several, several are going to get a very clear message that consumers here really don't like what they're doing. So what was that message about trust and who in our media needs to get it? I asked the lead authors of the report, Dr Greg Treadwell and Dr Maria Melilati from the Auckland University of Technology's Centre for Journalism, Media and Democracy. But first, I asked them, what do we really learn from asking Kiwis about trust in news? Trust is fundamental element of the journalism. And, you know, I think the Senate Pusher uh, not a long time ago said that, you know, uh, why are we doing any of this if the people don't trust us, or trust the news? So I think it is a, it's a level of we're kind of, you know, measuring that, you know, where we at with the journalism. And I think it, it's a trust is a complex uh, kind of, you know, uh, the whole concept of the trust is uh, very complex. Uh, we don't know how actually to define it exactly, how to measure it. So it's not easy concept at all. But I think it's in an international setting, it's good to know that where we sit, uh, sit with the trust and trust in news in general. And remember that the trust issue is related also to the uh, business models of the, the, the news outlets. So if you have, uh, you know, the, the, what 
what the uh, the Reuters studies, for example, so show that you know if the people are willing to pay for the news, they pay for those who they know and they trust and those trusted brands. So there are a lot of you know moving elements and a lot of important elements. But I think that comparing it internationally is really important. We kind of you know uh, we uh, as researchers we want to benchmark ourselves where we're sitting. And Greg. Uh your colleague, uh, Dr. Atakuhu Middleton from AUT, was on 9 to noon earlier this week talking about um, a Reuters survey of four countries, a uh, recent one which found that um, people's opinions on trust and which media they trust and which they don't are often uh, depend upon what, what they called ill-defined perceptions. So people had a, an idea of what they thought was trustworthy and what wasn't, but actually struggled to identify, you know, where the media outlets were falling down. You know, what, what can we do with this? If It's almost that annoying area, isn't it, where, you know, often have political journalists saying, oh, look, perception of the voters is reality, uh, even mm-hmm. if it's not true. You know, we're in that kind of territory, are we? Yeah, I think so. And, and uh, as Mary said, it is tricky, this trust stuff. Uh, if... Um, if we consider the audience has agency, if you like, at the level of choosing uh, news brands, of also deciding how much of their day they're going to spend consuming news within, you know, the mainstream reputable uh, arena, if you like, um, if they have that agency, then even if they don't really understand what they trust or why they trust it or it's hard for them to identify really trustworthy sources of information, um, what they say is then important because if they have that choice, you know, whether they're making choices on good information or bad, they're still making those choices. So trust at a level, uh, at a fundamental level, um, is measured in what people say about what they trust. And you're absolutely right. It's a, an incredibly nuanced field. I mean, one day I trust one news org, the next day I don't, you know, for, for various reasons. They've done something that upsets me as a reader. And so last week, you know, this news organization was my favorite trusted brand. Next week, it might be something else. But, but and, and you're absolutely right. It's, it, it is really tricky. But if we don't start measuring trust at a base level, at a fundamental level, according to what the audience tells us they trust, then we don't have anywhere to start. And uh, uh, with this report this year, um, we've actually asked some some qualitative questions, if you like, getting people not just to tick the brand they like the most, but give us some comments about how they feel about news and stuff. Uh, and, and one of the really interesting things within that is that they do have an idea of what they don't trust. Uh, and, and that is, uh, we may want to go into it in more detail, but just quickly, that is basically um, uh, the, the blurring of lines between comment and factual reporting. And that is something that, again and again, we've known it anecdotally for a long time, but now we have some research to back that up, that people don't trust news organizations if they can't see a clear distinction between comments and facts. So at one level, the audience kind of does know what it's doing. Indeed. Well, let's talk about that a little later because that is one yeah, of sure. the fascinating yeah, conclusions. Sure. But first of all, media, I mean, there is, of course, since your first survey a year ago, um, one big issue which has cropped up. And this is an issue for the media and trust worldwide that's, of course, reporting of the COVID crisis. Um Interesting finding here, two specific questions in your report, uh, your survey about this, but the finding 62% of people said mainstream media was the best source of information, news and information about the crisis. Only 12 saying social media was the best or first place to go. Does that result give you uh, comfort that uh, people, I think, compared with um, overseas, uh, similar surveys in the Reuters Institute, that's a much higher proportion of, of people saying they're prepared to trust what they see in mainstream news media? 
Yeah, I think you know, the, especially if you look at that, uh, the COVID reporting, 62% of the people uh, think that you know the mainstream um, media in New Zealand offer them the, the valid and trustworthy information about the, the COVID and the pandemic. So that is really you know solid figure and good figure. And if you look internationally, the trust in general in news uh, in New Zealand is still high in, uh, when compared to the international average. So uh, 48% of the New Zealanders uh, trust news in general. Uh, it is uh, it's gone down. Uh, it's still good, but on the other hand, if you turn it around, 52% of the New Zealanders don't trust the news. So there is a problem uh, if you look at it that way. Yeah, indeed. Let's let's look at that. The the findings, I guess, compared to your first survey. So a year ago, the people who said they trust the news essentially 53%. This time, 48, so as you say, they're 52%, a kind of majority saying they do lack trust. Uh, The news that they choose to use, this is slightly different, so a year ago, 62% said yes, they have good faith that the news that they have chosen is trustworthy. This time around, a 7% fall, 55% were prepared to say that. These are bigger drops, aren't they, than um, in the Reuters survey across all 40 countries uh, averaged out. Is, Is that a surprise or a concern for you? Uh, so we are following the uh, international trend. So we are actually, you know, uh, we are dropping a little bit uh, more than the Reuters survey. Uh, and it's not kind of, you know, I, I'm not surprised that the trust has gone down if I, you know, compare, as I said, international setting. And uh, I think, you know, what uh, is the one of the key elements, and you might actually ask that later on, but I, I just uh, uh, put it out there. Uh, the trust uh, here is related, or the mistrust uh is related to that that the people are perceiving the news uh, as increasingly opinion, opinionated, biased, and politicized. So uh, when we look at you know that you know what they trust and what they mistrust is based on that you know I think that drop we're seeing is because the news is perceived more biased and you know uh, and uh, politicized. Yeah. So Greg, those fall. So five uh, percent fewer people prepared to say they trust in news in general. Uh, 7% having less trust in the news they choose. Does this indicate, I mean, where where are those 5 and 7% uh, or 1 in 19, 1 in 20 people, where are they going? Are they switching their trust? Are they saying, now I believe in social media? Or are they just refusing to trust everything they see? It's a general trend downwards in trust in the media. But when you talk about the 5%, in general, and the 7% in the news they consume personally, those drops uh, might be related to what was happening when we did our first survey. So as our first survey went out to New Zealanders asking which, you know, how much they trust the news and which brands and so on, it was about the same time New Zealand went into its first serious lockdown in 2020. Now, trust is, uh, you know, there is some research that shows trust in the media is connected in some way to general trust in, if you like, the establishment. So obviously journalists don't want to see themselves as perceived as just part of the establishment. Indeed, they're there to challenge the very establishment, but it seems many readers these days see the news media as part of that authoritative establishment that, that tells them how the world is, and there's a resistance to that. So, uh, as But as we went into lockdown last year, uh, and there's plenty of evidence from um, a lot of editors around New Zealand, uh, traffic on news websites, for example, quadrupled in some some instances as people realised the importance of 
you know, just how accurate and reliable the information they needed on COVID was. So as we went into lockdown, uh, and I think it's probably quite widely accepted that New Zealanders had a, a great level of trust in the government last year. And so if that idea of establishment extends to include the media, there was probably a bit of a spike in trust in the media last year, which might just help to account for that 5 and 7% drop uh, this year. But as Maria said, you know, generally, while those might seem like quite large drops, and I think some of that can be accounted to that the you know the fact the survey went out at the same time as people were desperate for really reliable information that that you know for many people they considered that could have been a life-saving piece of information at that time so um, it was super important to people and so there was a you know a sort of a, a possibly an element of the trust in the government was a, was being spread out to to trust in the media but um, uh, but overall, we are just trending down like everybody else, in, if you like, in the in the Western world at least, which is you know ninety percent of what Reuters uh, survey. So we 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 trust the news more than Australians do. We trust the news uh, quite a bit more than UK residents do. But we trust the news quite a lot less than say some of those more comparable countries that we're often compared to, like Finland and and Denmark and and those other sort of uh, liberal democracies in the north of of Europe. Well, the Centre for Journalism, Media and Democracy wasn't the only um, outfit to survey people's trust and their opinions about reporting of COVID. And in general, the Newspaper Publishers Association, or News Publishers Association, as it is now, also sur- surveyed people back in March, came up with some quite positive results that uh, people um, people appreciated and re- respected the coverage of the, the COVID crisis and so on. However, your survey is the only one, uh, isn't it, Maria, that actually looks at specific media outlets. The, the Newspaper Publishers Association just look at the various media, radio, TV, online, and so on. Um, so what did you find when you looked at uh, the specific media outlets and asked people to identify their level of trust in those? So uh, uh, similarly to uh, last year's report, uh, uh, the public broadcasters, uh, uh, RNZ and TVNZ, came on the top uh, the, the level of trust also went down a little bit. Um, then we had News Hub and Maori Television were on a shared third place this year. Last year we didn't have a Maori Television, so we have actually included Maori uh, media outlets uh, in this year's uh, survey. And, uh, and then it was quite sort of, you know, the leveled, uh, the newsroom, uh, Herald stuff, uh, etc. So the public broadcasters uh, came uh, on top and also uh, they were on top, Radio New Zealand and TVNZ were on top on, for the COVID information as well. What we saw is the social media is uh, not trusted. Only 14% of New Zealanders uh, trust in uh, news in social media, which is paradoxical uh, if you think that you know, they consume a lot of news in social media. So uh, clearly, uh, you know, this survey shows that you know, uh, the trust is not, uh, you know, the social media is not trusted, but uh, the news brands are trusted. What was interesting in this survey, perhaps, is that there was a significant or statistically significant drop for News Hub and, and Newstock, uh, Newstock ZB um, brands uh, compared to last year. And Greg, what might explain that? Your report does say they're statistically significant declines. So uh, what do you think is the significance of that? Uh, I'm not entirely sure I can point to a reason for News Hub or, um, uh, you know, in in specific. But if you were to ask why had some brands dropped, we're quite, uh, we're we're personally of the view that, 
they, you know, that, that, that politicization of news and that, that merging of opinion and fact. And can I point out that, in fact, it's about principle number three in the Media Council Statement of Principles, which is the ethical code followed by New Zealand journalists, that uh, comment and fact must be clearly separated. So, you know, I think perhaps there's something in, in for news organisations about, about that. Now, the Media Council's also made a ruling recently that a very long and difficult piece of journalism or complex piece of journalism um, required the interpretation that, that a member of the public, in fact, I think it was a, poli- a former politician, was complaining uh, about uh, a piece that was too comment-ridden. And the Media Council understood that this, this lengthy analysis of a very long court case required interpretation, required not, not opinion, but that, that there was an, a, an acceptable amount of interpretation in the piece. So it isn't always easy, you know. I acknowledge that it isn't always easy to separate fact and opinion when you're doing interpretive journalism. And, and for sure, you know, the longer the piece, generally the more opinions allowed in. So long-form written features often have the opinion of the writer in there. But short-form news is supposed to keep opinion and fact uh, clearly separated for the reader. Um, so maybe news organizations need to just think a little bit about whether they uh, are doing that adequately because this was a very strong message from the audience uh, that, that uh, they see the news as opinion- opinionated, therefore opinions are sneaking into reporting, uh, and that leaves them feeling that it's biased and politicized. So uh, I think maybe, um, you know, I, we, we can't exactly say why News Hub and News Talk ZB have slipped in, to a, a significant level, but maybe all news organizations need to think about that feedback from the audience. Well, there was, Colin, Colin, can I just quickly say that one thing that when we looked at the 93 uh, raw comments, uh, which were uh, additional comments for the report, there were specific quotes saying that especially talkback radio has become so politicized and mm. so right wing. Uh, so, so it's really hard to say yeah. exactly why News Talk ZB and um, News Hub have slipped, but uh, you know, maybe next year it'll be, God forbid, RNZ. <laughs> Indeed, well, some of those comments are interesting that you pulled out. Someone saying, for example, the problem with the news is it is no longer the news, it's one side of an opinion, and then the other side is being left out of the story. Uh, good, uh, another person says, good, well written, accurate, factual reporting mm. is hard to find as everything is sanitized, politically corrected, or sensationalized for clicks and sales. So these are some of the suspicions mm. or fears that, that people have. But on that specific um, point you mentioned there, specific to, say, News Talk ZB, I mean, this is something we look that in the program over over the years, be, uh, over the past year, um, because the chief executive at NZME, the publisher and the owner, um, put out a statement early on in the COVID crisis saying, we will publish information you can trust. This is a crisis situation. Rely on us. And yet their hosts on ZB publishing and airing contrarian opinions and actually contradicting even sometimes themselves, switching position. All of this bleeding out into the New Zealand Herald, their sister uh, publication, so amplifying those messages, which, which you know, seem to be contrary to what the chief executive was saying there. And yet mm. the, the online scores you get, the Herald Online has the same trust score in your mm. survey as Stuff, which, which yeah. didn't do that. Uh, commercial radio as a whole only marginally less and indeed actually higher trust scores than other online media. For example, uh, the News and Information website newsroom.co.nz is getting a lower trust score than commercial radio. So how do we explain that? Uh, can I just say, um, 
the one thing uh, when we're looking at the, the, the scores and those rankings uh, and the numbers for the specific news outlets, the brand recognition for some brands are, is not so good. You know, for example, Newsroom and the spin-off are, might, be, uh, might be sitting lower. They're not so well known as a Herald and stuff, for example. So that is one reason, you know, where you want to be a little bit careful when you're looking at the, the, the numbers. But um, what comes to the uh, Herald and stuff, for example, and then what you said about the, the politicization or opinions uh, spread through the NZME, I think, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a bit careful to uh, just pinpoint this problem to one uh, media outlet. I think it's a wider issue. You but know, but as, you, believe, and we, you, you believe clearly that that blurring of opinion and, and comment and, and, and reporting uh, is actually something that the audience has picked up on and, and that you think was reflected in uh, the results you saw this time and those falls in trust as opposed to 12 months earlier? Absolutely, yeah. It's very clear. It comes re- really clearly uh, mm. from all, all, all you know, the, what we, the comments and the numbers and everything. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely I also clear. think that it's, you know, as I said a bit earlier, this is sort of baseline research. We'll be doing some different types of research into trust uh, in the future that will hopefully give us, you know, a little bit more nuance within the within the um, the research area. But, but um, uh, you know, when when you ask New Zealanders uh, if they trust the news, you're not entirely sure that they're making a distinction between non-news types of media, opinion, talk back, uh, p- uh, opinion columns, these sorts of things, a- and reporting. So, so yeah, yeah. As you know, we're quite clear that this is a difficult area to be entirely certain about, but we're very pleased to have started to make some progress towards quantifying and, and qualifying trust in news. So two other fascinating findings in here. Three quarters of people believe... The likes of Google and Facebook should do more to separate uh, fake information from legitimate stuff. So that's mm. kind of a, a comforting finding, I guess, because people clearly identifying that uh, online outlets don't have the same you know, editorial uh, rigor as, as mainstream news media. So that's interesting. Also, though, very high concern uh, or reported concern when asked about twisted and spun stories. Uh, and then uh, a lot of people either somewhat very or extremely concerned about poor journalism. Now, how seriously did you take that, Greg? Because in a sense, you know, people are being asked about it. You know, do you worry about spun news? Probably people are going to say yes. But do you think that the very high uh, level of people uh, surveyed indicating they are concerned about it means that they have thought about it and it is something that genuinely worries them? Yes, I think it genuinely worries them. But I don't know that they're well enough informed to know exactly whether the story is being spun at them or not. They have a huge concern about spin. And we know from research done way back in, into the 1970s and 80s in the UK um, that uh, you know up, up to sometimes 70 to 80 percent of stories start with a press release from an organisation who will benefit out of the publication of the story. So, so PR has got into news. There's no doubt about that. PR practitioners outnumber journalists by, by horrifying numbers across the West now uh, and, and really have a strong influence on the news agenda despite the best efforts of journalists to keep them out. <laughs> Um, so I think the public is aware of spin, but I'm not entirely sure that the and concerned about it. But I'm not entirely sure that that journalists and news organisations are entirely transparent enough about their own practices that people can actually be confident uh, in whether they're being spun or not. And so I think it, it, rebuilding trust is a 
massive theme across both um, journalism researchers and journalism practitioners across the West, rebuilding trust. But, you know, when I was a young journalist, we used to shut the door, uh, use gallows humour and joke about about life. You know, we, we did not want people to come into the newsroom and see how we operated. We did not want people to see exactly how information is aggregated, uh, selected, uh, some information is excluded, stories are, are shaped by the newsroom agenda and all that stuff. Uh, we, we sort of weren't very good at being transparent. And I think now news organisations uh, are increasingly conscious, even painstakingly conscious about being transparent about their news processes. I think that um, will help the audience start to be able to pick out the spin from the non-spin. And Colin, you might be uh, uh, aware of that big uh, international trust uh, trust project where about 200 uh, news organizations have joined and they have put the trust in, you know, core of their business. And, they, you know, they have all kind of the, uh, the different kind of uh, measurements on their side, how they, and, you know, the, the measures, how to build the trust, etc. Uh, so something uh, worth looking at. Yeah, indeed. And the uh, one person who I think would probably agree with you on that is the outgoing chief editor at Reuters, so a global news agency of some standing, a trusted name in news. Stephen Adler uh, stepped down this week and said he had a formula for trusted journalism. One element of that was transparency, which you mentioned there, Greg. He said we should see and let the public see the sausage being made. <laughs> so don't mm. don't shut the mm. door and don't shut people out of the newsmaking process. Objectivity, he said, don't uh, give up on that. People like to mm. say, oh, we just acknowledge our biases. It's a free-for-all. He says no. Uh, keep that out of it. If you want to be trusted in journalism, try your very best to maintain objectivity. And the third element, transparency, objectivity, the third was humility. Um He said journalists uh, yes. don't often show <laughs> this, uh, but he's saying, look, <laughs> for any single error, there are multiple explanations. Tell the audience about polling mm. errors, mistaken assumptions, mm. unconscious mm. bias, whatever it is, uh, bad mm. faith, bad maths, whatever it is, admit it. Uh, do you think he's got the right idea there? Humility plus transparency plus objectivity equals trusted yep. journalism? Yeah. I think it's the beginning of the rebuild, put it mm. that way, and I mm. think that um, uh, objectivity, of course, uh, is often... You know, um, journalists who claimed objectivity were then countered with nobody's objective. But what gets lost in that debate is that it was never a claim that journalists were individually objective, neutral machines. It was always an objective methodology that tried to account for any personal bias. So, therefore, um, you know, the balance of the story, uh, not n- no errors through omission of important information, uh, um, you know, telling both sides of the story, being detached, being as neutral and impartial as you can, all those things add up to an objective methodology, at least as best we can have it. So I think, I, I, you know, for a while I, I would uh, have been part of that group that said objectivity is a nonsense, we should stop talking about that and focus on neutrality, um, impartiality and detachment. But in fact, it, objectivity as a method is a very, very good approach. So I'm with him if he wants to reintroduce the idea as long as it's not a claim that individuals can be objective because mm. the audience has rejected that already. Mm. And yeah. finally, Maria, do you think that uh, the centre will be able to do this year on year right into the future, uh, such as you have done with your media ownership reports every year? Uh, you're now 10 years into that uh, process. So You know, we we will in five or ten years' time have a have a really good sense of how public trust in media is doing, and uh, you know whether the, the the tumult we've seen over the last twelve months, you know, could have been a bit of a blip in the results. 
Yeah, the, uh, our intention, of course, is to continue, and this is uh, at just the start, and we only have now two years, you know, uh, data. Uh, so we hope to get funding for this, and uh, and you know, there seems to be a lot of interest to this report. Uh, it uh, seems to be creating some buzz, and uh, and it's great if we actually doing uh, the, the the research, which actually benefiting the you know, the larger public and the media and the society in New Zealand. So uh, yeah, I hope that our employers will uh, give us a little money uh, yeah. again to do. So it. you know, there's no doubt about our our um, our purpose and intention here, Colin. But as Maria says, it comes down to funding. And look, there's a lot of support for this within the within the research centre and within the university. So we can't make promises because it comes down to funding. But but if everything goes the way we want it to, this will be a, a decent longitudinal study. Uh, and and as I said earlier, I think that we can lift it just from that base level of asking people what they th- what they trust, which in the end is just what they say they trust. Um, and we can start to do more nuanced stuff uh, that, that explores trust in a more, more complex way. Yes, saying that we, you know, we have a limited number of the questions we can include because of the funding uh, restrictions. But also because <laughs> we did want this to be uh, comparable internationally. So mm. we have yeah. chosen to match the same questions as the Reuters Institute yeah. uses. Now, they do a, a much bigger survey, obviously, uh, the annual digital news report. But there's a little bit in that on trust. And so we've used their questions. Therefore, we can compare our results with theirs across those other 40 countries that you spoke of. So at this stage, this project is limited to that for all those reasons, uh, but we are really interested in this topic and, and plan to, to lift it into a more nuanced area at some stage. That was Dr Greg Treadwell and Dr Maria Mililati from the Auckland University of Technology's Centre for Journalism, Media and Democracy, and they're the co-authors of the Trust in New Zealand News report, which was released earlier this week. And you can read more about the key findings in that report and a link to the full report in the online version of the story.